how are you feeling with Jose out at uh, United? Oh, man. Um, you're about the fifth person to ask me that today. <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy because the playing style was obviously dull and not working. But um, there are problems at United that go so much deeper than the manager. This is the On the Touchline podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. In episode six of On the Touchline, I talked to my guest, Andrew Green. He currently is a assistant coach at Olivet College in Michigan and just completed his first season on their staff uh, there. Before I get to my conversation with Andrew, a friendly reminder that you can support this podcast in one of two ways. Uh, one is through your financial support by going to anchor.fm slash on the touchline and making a small monthly contribution. It would mean the world if you're able to do that. Or the second way is by sharing this podcast with friends on social media or by leaving a five-star rating on all the major podcast outlets like Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Uh, I believe we're on nine different podcasting platforms as we speak, so continuing to grow that way. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support, and you can reach out to me anytime at SoccerCoachJB on Twitter or Instagram. Andrew and I definitely went the full 90 minutes, uh, to use a game term, in our conversation of talking about his journey, a little bit about his philosophy, why he got into coaching, creating that culture uh, at the college he currently works for, what it's like to actually work for his alma mater, and how mentors have played a role in his coaching career. I hope you enjoy my conversation with assistant men's soccer coach at Olivet College, Andrew Green. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to, to chat, and uh, I'm so happy that we've been able to not only connect on here, but on social media, and um, just a, a fan of your work and, and what you're doing in your career, uh, you know, as a coach. So um, tell me a little bit about your journey, uh, whether it be as a player or how you've gotten to where you are uh, as, a, as a coach right now. Yeah, so um, I'm still pretty young in my career. I'm only 27. Um, so I am, I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which uh, is still what I call home. But uh, I you know, grew up playing, um, whether it be going from rec to club, um, and then to high school, um, through high school, I, you know, I played a lot of sports just like everyone else. But then, um, as it came down to, you know, picking colleges and things like that, soccer really stood out for me. Um, so I went to a junior college first in, in, um, Florida named Palm Beach State College. I didn't, I played on the club team, but while I was doing that, uh, I got involved with a club and at my old high school coaching the JV boys in the off season, um, and that's where it really all clicked for me that I, you know, eventually wanted to do this. So, um, the opportunity arose for me to go play soccer at, um, Olivet college in Michigan, which is a, not very many people know it, <laughs> not very many people in Michigan even know it, but, um, it's a small division three school and, um, it really changed everything for me. Um, you know, we went from a team that, you know, was very mediocre to within two years competing for conference championships. Um, so I did that for two years, um, had an injury. Um, and while I was finishing my degree, got involved with the local high school there. Um, coached on the girls and the boys side for, for a year as an assistant. Um, and then my last year in school, they offered me the head coaching job for the boys. Um, so I did that for a year. Um, it's kind of weird to explain cause it's, you know, 
I hear people explain about the high school teams they had. I had one club player and the rest were just athletes, really. Um, you know, my, uh, my goalkeeper was, you know, the center on the basketball team and a really good bowler. <laughs> um, my center back was my only club player. Um, I had a couple guys from football doing dual sports. So it was a uh, it was really interesting to try and go from playing at a high level to then coaching um, from what I thought it just wasn't the level that I was used to. Um, so as I finished my degree, um, I actually had a friend of mine who worked at Western Carolina University and they had an opening for a women's assistant. So he helped me um, get an interview there and um, they reached out to me and said, you know, we're looking for. Um, you know, someone to come in and uh, coach our goalkeepers. And it's something that I had never done before, but I knew that I wanted to get in at the college level. And, um, you know, I just felt like that was a, a good level for me. And I really liked that age group of, you know, helping guys and girls figure out what they're going to do with their life and, you know, still play soccer along the way. So I did that for uh, about a year and a half at Western Carolina. Um, you know, learned how to coach goalkeepers, which was an eye opener to me um, being a center back. Um, after that, I ended up with a position at Western Michigan um, as the women's assistant, which, you know, um, they at the time were one of the best mid-major schools in the country. They had just, you know, won the MAC, And, um, you know, I think they went out to Florida one, one or two nothing in the uh, in the college cup that year. So going in there, there were high expectations, um, worked with a really great staff. Um, Lauren is now actually at Notre Dame as the women's assistant. Um, you know, from there, I had an opportunity to get into the men's side at my alma mater, which is, um, where I'm at currently. It's a really unique situation. It's something that, you know, I went from being a division one coach to being on the division three side now. And, uh, it just it's just a different environment being at your alma mater. So um, yeah, that's you know that in a nutshell is my uh, my journey so far. That's awesome. Uh, what's it like coaching at your alma mater? Uh, obviously, you probably know the place pretty well, but um, you know there there was something that drew you there uh, when you were making that decision to uh, to attend. Uh, what's it like now being on sort of the back end of that conversation of working with a recruit or a family um, in terms of how you present the school? Uh, to yeah, um, it definitely is a unique situation. Um, you know, it's it's really easy for me to now, you know, sell Olivet College. Um, it's my home. It's where I played and it's now where I coach. So, you know, the, having that family atmosphere and, you know, one of the other guys on staff is another guy that I played with. Um, so we really have this culture now built around, you know, two guys who, um, you know, played there. Um, our head coach is really great. He, um, he's another Division three guy and he's bought into the, you know, the culture that we have there. So it's you know, it's made my job really easy and, you know, it's really easy to sell um, somewhere that I call home to recruits. So you said the, uh, the word that uh, I, I think for, for any of us that are coaches, um, you know, really is a, is a powerful word uh, in terms of, you know, what we're trying to create with our teams and our parents and, uh, whether it be a university or in my situation at the club level. Uh, so how do you or the coaches that you work with, uh, how do you create that culture that you sort of want or that you desire, um, you know, as a, as a team? Yeah, um, it's, it, it's an ever, you know, it's, an, it's a process is the best way to explain it. It's not something that happens overnight and it's something that, you know, me going into year two here, um, I'm, we're still figuring it out. Um, you know, the culture that you want to build, it's in looking at the college level, for instance, um, it's finding people that are going to buy into that, you know, college soccer isn't for everyone and that's okay. 
Um, but, you know, the culture that we want to build, you know, we want to have hardworking players on the field. You know, we really buy into the blue collar type of players that are going to work their socks off for 90 minutes. And then having the academic piece where we want to have the best student athletes that we can. And then the third piece that we have is being able to connect with the community. You know, we do a lot of community service projects. Um, we're involved with Team Impact, which gets younger um, kids with um, like terminal illnesses to pair them with a team. So, you know, people look at cultures and there's so many different ways that you can, you know, either build a culture or explain the culture that you want to have. Um, but at the college level, I feel like it's trying to find those kids that will that fit it and that will buy into what you're trying to do. I, I really like that. And I really like the service piece of, uh, of your answer, Andrew, because um, I mean, so important, right. And that, uh, you know, I often tell the parents and, and some of the, the players that I work with that we're teaching them soccer for sure, but we're also teaching them about life and we're teaching them about, what's going to happen when that soccer career ends. And um, that's interesting, the, the three things that you named uh, of sort of what, you know, uh, makes uh, the, the culture of your squad, you know, I, I guess you would say unique uh, in that regard. So how does that, I guess, impact or um, maybe influence sort of the style of play uh, that you guys hope to achieve on the field? Um, do you see sort of correlations that, you know, if you have sort of this hard, hardworking group of players that, Hey, we're going to take that. And now we would like to play a certain style. Yeah. You know, I feel that with the kind of players that we have and, you know, the blue collar, you know, some people see it as, okay, you're, you know, you're a hardworking team. You're going to play very direct. Um, you know, you're going to try and put us under and press us. You know, and I don't think that's exactly what we do. Um, you know, we try to put the ball down. We try to play out of the back. Um, but I think the hardworking blue-collar piece is, you know, just when we're in training, you know, buying into, you know, listening to how we're trying to play. Um, you know, different pieces along that. I just feel that, you know, so many people, you know, when you say a team is blue-collar, you know, you just see them running up and down the sidelines. You know, they have wingers that, you know, they want to just run for days and, you know, people that are going to play the ball over the top. And I feel like when it comes to the culture piece, you're really looking for the kids who are going to buy into the style of play that you want. And for us, you know, it's putting the ball down and trying to play the, I guess what people would call the, the pretty style of soccer that we all try to play. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's a, uh, a style of soccer that uh, I'm even trying to, uh, to teach my U10s. So uh, <laughs> uh, from, from a guy on the other end of the line, uh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, how many times tonight uh, at the futsal session uh, that I was running of, you know, playing simple and connecting passes and finding space and, you know, movement off the ball. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's easy to play booted ball. Uh, yeah, I, I think anybody can uh, can do that or a lot of people can do that. But I think, um, you know, when you really start to get into those nuances of the game and sort of, uh, you know, possession and, and whatnot, I mean, yeah, for sure. So um, so if I'm looking to, you know, say, so say I'm a recruit and I'm thinking about coming to your school and, uh, you know, they say, you know, Andrew, what's your philosophy uh, as a coach, um, you know, and how did you sort of get there, uh, based on your experiences, what would you say? You know, um, my, my coaching philosophy might be, you know, I can't sit down and tell someone, you know, that, um, you know, we're going to play this way, you know, we're going to sit because it all depends on the type of, you know, game that you're in. If someone's high pressing us and we don't have the players to play out of the back, well, I don't think we're going to do that, but I think my coaching philosophy is I'm definitely a, uh, a people, a person first over the player. Um, you know, college soccer is about your experience and uh, ultimately getting that degree because the, there's only 1% of 
of college athletes and the soccer world that will turn pro. And at the division three level that we're at, that percentage is uh, even smaller. Um, so for me, I'm always focusing on the person first. Um, how can I help you get to where you eventually want to be in life? And if you're, you know, good enough to get to the next level, then I'm going to do all that I can to get you there. But if the next level for you is going to med school or going to law school, I'm also going to pull any strings that I can to help you get to where you want to go. Um, just because I feel that, you know, soccer is definitely an avenue for, you know, to get to where you want to go in life. You can have a great college experience playing soccer and then eventually have a great career um, outside of the game. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to um, make my career as a coach. Um, it's something from my experiences that after about two years in college, I knew that this was something that I want to do. So for me, um, looking at, you know, when I'm recruiting someone, it's definitely how can I help you in the long run, so to say. I, so uh, a follow-up to that in terms of, uh, I, I guess, why coaching, uh, right? Um, so something that we've probably all asked ourselves as coaches at some point um, <sighs> Well, you know, why, why the heck do we do right. this? <laughs> In some cases, it's certainly not for the money. Right? Oh, definitely uh, not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I had a, a conversation with someone earlier this week and um, yeah, it, it's not for the money and it's for, it's for, I mean, at least for me, it's for a lot of things. I mean, it's for, you know, especially at the youth level, I mean, trying to make an impact, a positive impact uh, on young men and women to, you know, to be, whether it be family or parents or, you know, friends or whoever's influential in their life to be another person that is a positive influence in their life. And, you know, uh, it's funny. I mean, people have, you know, they throw out the, the phrase role model from time to time, but I think the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I've become sort of with sort of the weight that that carries that if I see, you know, parents uh, from players on my team, if I see them out at the grocery store or, uh, whatever it might be where I bump into him in a, a social situation, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more comfortable being coach and I'm definitely more comfortable. You know, I always compare it to if uh, you, in elementary school, when you bump into your teacher, uh, when you're, you know, when you're out at the somewhere at the movies or something like that, and uh, you happen to see them and you're like, Oh my God, you know, I couldn't believe Mr. Ms. So-and-so has a social right. life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised when you see us in season, if, uh, if we have a social life. <laughs> Yeah, right, right. And so, so why, I mean, why coaching? Uh, you mentioned a little bit about, um, you know, your, your JUCO experience in, in Florida being influential, but also, you know, some of your other experiences. And uh, I'm, I'm curious as to uh, sort of what made you want to, you know, say, hey, this is what I want to do uh, professionally. Um, yeah, you know, when I was in, I sat down, I have a couple great mentors, um, two of them being my coaches that I had at Olivet College, who are now the coaches at Western Michigan for the men's team. And, um, you know, I sat down with them towards my junior year and said, you know, I'm looking for, you know, what can I do after this is all done? Cause this doesn't last forever. Um, and you know, they, they, they said, Hey, I think you'd make a pretty good coach if you ever wanted to consider it. Um, and at the time, you know, as a 21 year old kid, um, you know, that, to me, that was the second best thing to playing because that was never going to last. Um, so, but now as I, uh, as I got involved more in the college game, um, I have these 18 to 22 year old kids. And I mean, they're not that much younger than me now, but um, it's helping them make that decision through that time of their life when, you know, it's supposed to be the best four years of your life in college, but it's stressful um, you know, there's dis there's important decisions to make. Um, and for me, I want to be someone that can help them through my experiences in college, you know, make the right decisions um, in their next stage. So, you know, that's always been the why for me when I get into college, um, college coaching at least, is to help these guys during their, you know, to, for their hardest but best years to make the decision for the rest of their lives of what they really want to do. 
What would you say if uh, one of your players came to you and said, you know, hey, coach, I'm, I'm looking for a mentor, uh, and whether that's you or uh, maybe another coach on staff, uh, what, what advice would you give them in terms of how to pick a mentor? Um, and I asked that question because, uh, so part of how Colton and I uh, actually first got connected, uh, I had put out a, basically just a, a plea for help <laughs> on social media. And I, I forget who it was, but they said, you should really give Colton a look. And uh, I said, okay, sure. You know, uh, I know I'm a little bit older than Colton, but you know, that, that has no bearing for me. Uh, I, you know, uh, the best idea always wins. Uh, it doesn't really Absolutely. matter where it comes from. Yeah. And uh, so I, I sent him an email and I said, you know, Hey, this is kind of an odd question or whatever. And I mean, he and I traded uh, countless messages and uh, you know, so that's how part of, you know, my finding a mentor sort of took place. And then, you know, as I, I guess as I've evolved in my coaching career, uh, I was able to get connected uh, with someone at the club that I currently coach for, who actually saw earlier tonight. And for whatever reason, this person took me under their wing and basically said, like, you know, hey, I know this is a, you know, a big leap for you, um, meaning me, uh, but you know, I want to show you the ropes uh, because I was in your situation not that long ago. And similar to what your coach told you, right? Hey, I think you could be a, you know, pretty decent coach someday um, that this person uh, was willing to pay it forward. And, you know, I'm forever grateful to this person for, for giving of their time. And uh, I mean, he and I chatted for probably a good 15, 20 minutes tonight, just, just catching up a little bit, but what advice would you tell that player that comes to you or, you know, on your coaching staff of how do they go about finding that mentor? Yeah, I would say, um, being, you know, being available to anything. Um, for instance, my first year at Western Carolina, um, you know, asking me to train the goalkeepers when I had zero experience of how to train goalkeepers. Um, you know, I always thought that, you know, oh, as long as you stop the ball, you know, we're good. But uh, that's not <laughs> that's not all the training that they need. Um, so being willing to just, you know, whether it's going there to warm the goalkeepers up or pick up cones or, you know, gather up the pennies, you know, stuff like that. Um, being open to just about anything. And, you know, as I've come to learn now, it's, you know, it's about networking. You know, Twitter has become an awesome resource for me. You know, it's not just me uh, venting about Man United every once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, it's become a really, really good resource um, to connect with people like you and Colton, um, you know, Gavin Murphy's another one that I've connected with from over the pond. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's being open to, you know, finding different ideas from people because as a coach, we're still evolving. We, I mean, I never know it all. I mean, there's times where I have to sit back and say, you know, how, who can I reach out to that, you know, knows more on this subject than I do. And that's what I had to do with goalkeeping. Um, you know, I, emailed different people, got on Twitter, um, you know, reached out to people on how, you know, this is what's wrong with my goalkeeper right now. How do I train this? Um, you know, I would definitely say that, you know, the first couple of years aren't, aren't, they're not the best from, uh, you know, you're still learning and, you know, financially it's never the best. Um, <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, if it's something that you're passionate about, you always find a way. And that's something that I've discovered with coaching, um, you know, whether it comes to taking these these courses, um, you know, doing my I'm about to do my D license in in January. Um, so, yeah, it's always finding that way because, I mean, everybody will have time for you. I mean, I've emailed countless coaches, you know, where, you know, you know, maybe you get four to five responses out of those 20 emails, but those four to five responses are going to be helpful. I feel that mm -hmm. I feel that a lot of people are willing to pay it forward if you're willing to reach out to them. I love the, uh, the commitment to sort of, you know, I guess I would call it lifelong learning and, uh, Maybe that's that liberal arts education that uh, at work. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's paying off. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, uh, no, and I mean that, uh, you know, in all sincerity, because I think, um, yeah, I, I think you said it really, really well that, uh, you know, is coach, it, it's funny to me that whether it be parents or players, you know, almost think that we're like, uh, you know, like medical yeah. doctors and, and that we, you know, e- even the best medical doctors uh, don't have all the answers. And, uh, you know, uh, coaches in the Premier League, uh, La Liga, Bundesliga, I mean, wherever, coaching for a national team, they don't have all right. the answers. And, yeah, I, I mean, and so there, there's definitely a misconception, I think, with folks that, you know, we have it all figured out. And, I mean, we're just, uh, <laughs> we're always a work in Absolutely. Progress. I mean, I can... I can I can't even count the countless nights that are the sleepless nights I had this past um, season prepping for teams because I I mean I would watch the film over and over and just wouldn't have the answer of how to stop them. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so let's uh, let t- I was gonna say take me back to Florida and uh, I was reading a little bit on uh, the athletics website. Um, you know that uh, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano yeah. Beach. Uh, I- I've, I've, I've been there, uh, which is a Pompano beach is a pretty oh, awesome yeah. place, by the way, uh, would, would go there tomorrow if I could, uh, I'm feeling so, the same um, way up in this, uh, 27 degree Michigan weather. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and I'm sure there's probably some, uh, some snow coming soon if there isn't already. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I find absolutely fascinating with, uh, you know, working in the youth game so I'm at the, I'm working in the age group now, uh, you know, U10, U12, where you see a lot of players start to migrate out of soccer mm-hmm. and for a variety of reasons, right? Some, you know, may not feel that they have the technical ability to play. Some sort of maybe fall out of love with the game. Uh, maybe there's too much parental pressure. You know, I've, I feel like I've heard yeah. it all. Um, you, know, you know, hey, we're not winning enough, which... I love, love that one, by the way. Um, so uh, for you as a, as a youth player, how did that love of soccer start? And when did it start? Um, I, it definitely started when I was younger. Um, I would say really young. My, my uncle was a big influence on me at the time. He played for uh, the University of Miami back in the day. Um, and, you know, I the minute I was able to play, I – I don't know what it was, but I just fell in love with it. Um, I play, pl- played a lot of sports growing up, um, especially in Florida. You know, football is big, um, basketball, um, all, all different kinds of sports. But I just – I really didn't know what it was. But, I mean, just something about, you know, being able to just go out and kick a ball every once in a while. You know, finding a wall to just hit the ball up against. Um, you know, and that – as a youth player, I had some really, um, really positive coaches. And I think that's what really helped it. Um, you know, of course, all of us hate losing, but it wasn't the end all be all of winning wasn't the end all be all. Um, so, you know, I, it's kind of hard to explain. And then, you know, once you got into, you know, the high school age, um, that's when, you know, everything kind of turned into, okay, let's, you know, winning is kind of now important. Um, and that's where that competitive edge kind of came in. And, you know, as a coach, I've kind of adopted that com- competitive edge. And that's something that I try to bring into like all my training sessions um, at the college level is, uh, hey, can we keep a score? You know, can we, um, you know, give a, a never give up mentality type of thing? I think that's awesome. And I think the, uh, well, so I, I find, I don't, I don't know if it's a 50-50 split, but it's probably close to that. Uh, the number of coaches that I've spoken to who part of why they've gotten into coaching is based on one or two things. Uh, one, they either had really bad coaches. <laughs> so uh, if you could see me right now, I'm raising my hand. Uh, or coaches that I've spoken to who have had really good yeah. coaches. And so part of what shaped my coaching philosophy was the fact I knew what I did not want to be. And 
Uh, oh man! I, after I, I, after recruiting know. a few times, I can show you uh, a lot of the coaches that we don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I, describe that person um, um, no. because I, I I think I know what that person looks like. But describe I that mean, person. It's, it's very it's very weird to sit on a sideline recruiting a game, and you know, seeing that coach that's you know jumping up and down, screaming and yelling at players. You know, there's a point where you can be demanding but there's that line that you cross when it just gets a little bit of overkill um you know and as a college coach sitting there I you know I feel bad for some of the guys that I'm looking at because I, I mean I, I see potential um but I just don't see it you know being up to its full potential um and you know it's kind of seeing someone holding that back I just as a coach be like okay I kind of want this kid to come here now so I can unlock that potential I agree and I think uh there's such a a short shelf life for that style of coaching uh I, I I think you can be demanding without being sort of the you know a, a lunatic <laughs> on the touchline <laughs> um and and I guess some people would disagree with oh, me yeah. um because they you know they say look at uh you know some of the the professional coaches I mean I, and it's it's funny I have it, it, even as an Everton supporter I have such admiration for Jurgen Klopp I wouldn't call him a, a wild man, though, because, I mean, yeah, people sort of comment on, you know, after they score a goal or sort of his reaction. But I I, I don't I think it's sort of calculated and controlled. I mean, if if someone's just carrying on and screaming and yelling and I mean, doing whatever they do, I just don't know if the players benefit from that. Yeah, and, I feel uh, like there's a there's a fine line between um, emotion of uh, like Jurgen Klopp, for an example. I mean, unfortunately, it was against your Everton where he ran out on <laughs> yeah. the field after, you know, a 94th minute game winner. I feel like that's a little bit warranted. Um, but uh... I, I was going to say, I, I even gave him a free pass on that <laughs> one. I, I I think I said a few four-letter words at the TV uh, <laughs> when all that went down. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I man, love his emotion, the... you know, to a degree. Yeah. And, you know, I love – as much as I don't want to admit this being a Man United fan, you know, I love the emotion that Pep Guardiola shows on the sideline. You know, you yeah. watch him after a game and he'll go up to Raheem Sterling and he's still talking about a run that he didn't make. You know, they right. just won four to one, but we're worried about, you know, <laughs> about the complete, you know, development of the player. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love it, even unfortunately being a Man United fan and not being Pep Guardiola. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I completely agree. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there's something so fascinating with those guys, Klopp, Guardiola, uh, you know, uh, sorry, at Chelsea yeah. sort of fascinates me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, just to one to get to that level has to be unbelievable, but also, I mean, just the, the demeanor they bring and, you know, sort of their presence and, and things of that nature. I, I don't know. It's, it's inspiring. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea where all this is going to go for me, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, good ideas are worth uh, borrowing. Absolutely. And, uh, I guess you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about cases. Twitter when uh, I see people posting sessions and different exercises, yeah. you know, finishing inside the box. You know, I feel like it, I feel like when I go on Twitter and I see coaching uh, people, you know, you see a lot of things that you can borrow for your next session. So what's a, uh, a session typically look like uh, for you in your current role? Um, for me, so um, I do a lot of the goalkeeper training um, now that uh, it's something that I have three years experience with thanks to um, the guys at Western Carolina. Um, so for us, you know, it's a typical, you know, we'll get out and warm up. Then we do some sort of technical warm up where I do try to get the goalkeepers involved because um, I feel that they need to be just as technical as some of our other players. Um, and then for me, I will take the goalkeepers for about 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes, depending on, you know, what our training session is based around. Um, if it's a day before a game, you know, maybe it's a little less, 
Um, maybe we're looking at a you know a fifteen to twenty minute session with the goalkeepers of prepping for our opponent the next day. But if it's a regular you know regular day of training, um, I'll put them through you know a good good hard session of you know different forms of handling, um, especially at the the college level dealing with crosses in the air because um, I feel like that's become such a big part of the guy's level is the aerial game. Um, and then, you know, we bring it together and it's, you know, we do something small sided um, or we'll open it up and play nine V nine or 11 V 11. Um, but we always try to end with a game um, to bring back that competitive edge, you know, of us helping our guys to find ways to win. You know, I just feel like that's at the college that um, is big because you never know in games, you know, down one, two, nothing, you know, if you still have that never give up mentality, we could turn it into a two, one or a three, two. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everything that we do has some sort of uh, competition to it. Um, keeping score is a big thing um, in the season. It's more for a competitive, you know, competitive edge. But then when we get into our non-traditional season in the spring, uh, it's more of a teaching tool. Um, it's something that I learned at Western uh, Michigan um, that, you know, when we get into the springtime that, you know, we'll count, you know, uh, maybe a passing pattern. Um, you know, we'll see if there's any mess ups and then we know that, hey, we need to, you know, improve on your short range passing or your long range passing. Um, so for that, it's more of a teaching tool in the spring. But yeah, that competitive edge is kind of what is based, what our training sessions are based around. When you're uh, out on the recruiting trail and if you're looking for a keeper that is able to play with their feet and, you know, able to uh, reverse the play and move the ball and, uh, you know, build out of the back, uh, I guess is what yeah. I'm saying. Well, if you had to put a percentage on it, I mean, just from your experience, uh, players that are able to do that versus players who who aren't, what would you say uh, just in today's youth game, just from your experience? Um, it's definitely getting um, more prevalent as you see in the older kids. Because, um, for instance, I was uh, at a showcase this past weekend where it was I want to say U 16s and above. Um, and almost every team tried to play out of the back, um, you know, got the goalkeeper involved really high up the field. Um, so it's definitely becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and, you know, the way that the U.S. Um, US soccer is kind of mandating coaches um, to teach goalkeepers how to play out of the back, how to use their feet. You know, they're not, you know, they are now that 11th player. Um, so we're not playing with ten, just 10 field players. You know, we, the goalkeeper is now involved in the play a lot more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this weekend, um, I would say at least 85% of teams played out of the back and used their goalkeeper um, when they were pressed. Um, you know, that was having that, that safety blanket, so to say, um, that we can always give it back to the goalkeeper. And uh, yeah, now in the college level, because you see so many teams high pressing, it's getting more and more important that a goalkeeper can use his feet. The uh, the great Johan Cruyff uh, is probably smiling right now <laughs> because uh, I, I, I love, uh, he, he, there's quite a few of his uh, quotes that I, I always find pretty fascinating. And he's someone that I have great admiration for, um, but I did you know, something along the lines that, uh, you know, your first attacker is basically your goalkeeper. And uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and that's, you know, the, the, the kids that I work with, I mean, that's what we work to do. Um, you know, the, the keeper has to be able to move the ball and, and play with the ball. And um, I guess that leads to my next question. And, you know, I, I told you I'd, I'd keep you for about uh, 30 to 45 oh, minutes. So I want to be true to Let's keep going. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, a question that I like to ask every guest that comes on the show, what would you say we're doing right in this country? And what would you say we're doing wrong in terms of developing players, male or female, uh, to either play at the college level, 
maybe play professionally, um, you know, to, to move soccer forward uh, in this country? Um, you know, the right things that I think we're doing right now is I think there is a lot of good prepping for the college level. And it, clubs are now doing a very good job of, you know, having um, someone prepared to come in and say, hey, you know, you're going to take a fitness test. You know, before it was kind of, you know, well, you just need to be fit. Now it's here's the exact test you're taking. You know, so I feel like they're doing a really good job prepping them. And they're also doing a very good job prepping them for the level of play to expect. Um, you know, when I, when I was with the girls' side, um, you know, watching the ECNL or the, the Director's Academy now, um, the level of play, I mean, granted, it is the top, you know, 20% of kids in the country supposed to be. Um, but the level of play, I mean, they can transition immediately into the college game. You know, they don't really lose a step. Um, the, the speed of play is there. Um, the technical ability is there. Um, so yeah, I think that, and, you know, you look at where the U S uh, men's national team was going, um, with Dave Sarakin there, you know, they were given the youth players, in my opinion, are doing the right thing of, you know, going over to Europe and challenging themselves at a young age. Um, you know, the Weston McKinney's, the, the Pulisic's obviously, you know, I think Tyler Adams just transferred to RB Leipzig. Um, you know, Zach Steffen is going to Man City. Um, so the, they're definitely challenging themselves at a young age. And that's, you know, I think that's something that's going to be very beneficial for the U.S. men's national team uh, come the next World Cup. Hopefully we get in it, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the following World Cup that we host, because if you look at it, you know, players like Pulisic will be in their prime. Um, in the, I think it's the 2026 World Cup. Um, and we'll have, you know, five, five to seven years experience in, in top, top um, leagues. Um, so will someone like Weston McKinney. Um, Tyler Adams will be there, you know, and that's who we're looking to build our core around, a really good attacking player and some really good uh, midfielders. So um, that's definitely the pluses, I think. I see. And, you know, for the college game in particular, um, clubs are now doing a very, very good job. Um, you know, some of the minuses and, you know, some of the ways that we're not preparing, I feel that, you know, as you would probably say, some of the coaching, um, coaching courses are very selective on who they, on who they bring in. I don't know if we do the best job, um, you know, prepping our youth coaches. Um, so, you know, for instance, um, you know, this, the D license that I'm about to take, um, every time I took it, every time I went to take it, it was full or I didn't meet a requirement. Um, so I just didn't know if the accessibility to coaching tools is really there yet. Um, and I'm sure everyone has their, pluses and minuses dealing with U.S. soccer coaching education. I, I love <laughs> that answer because uh, I, I feel like you're inside my brain. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it's so funny. So having been through uh, some of the new, uh, you know, USF, uh, USFF, uh, if I can say <laughs> it, um, you know, coaching courses that, uh, yeah, so – teaching coaches how to teach yeah. versus teaching coaches how to uh i don't i don't know yeah uh, the tangible that. noticeable when style when i go to these coaching courses and i've done um a few through i guess now it's united soccer coaches um yeah, yeah. i did a few of those and i've done uh, um all the e-license for the ussf and i felt that you know when you go there you're more looking to pass the course rather than to learn how to coach. Um, mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, when we do those courses, you were more, rather than just getting new ideas, you were more looking towards, Hey, how, how can I just make sure I pass this? 
um, mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because I feel that when you go to these coaching courses or if you go to the conventions, um, there's a lot of ideas that people can pick up. Um, just being around other coaches, you know, sitting um, at the, at my, I think it was my advanced national, you know, every night, you know, we all sat around a couple cold ones and talked about different philosophies, um, you know, or different styles of play or, you know, what we do with our teams, um, you know, it was just bouncing ideas off people rather than, hey, how am I going to write this session so I can pass tomorrow? Yeah, uh, I, it, it reminds me of like, uh, you know, me memorizing something for a, a test in college yeah. or uh, high school, you know, that uh, I, I'll learn it for that period of time and uh, I'll spit it back. But, you know, when it when the rubber hits the road, that's kind of where it ends. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head, uh, you know, pretty well. So uh, I I like. I like the fact that I think for folks like you and, you know, folks working in the college game, the club level, I mean, wherever high school, that it does seem like the knowledge of soccer, uh, you know, for those coaching has risen and whether that's, you know, something Colton sort of touched on in, in one of our last episodes is that, you know, the, the people who have played the game are now in a position to actually teach and coach. Yeah, the game. absolutely. Whereas the people that I had, uh, so I'm 37. Uh, it, dude, it was the dark. It was the dark <laughs> ages of uh, of U.S. soccer. Let me tell you, um, we did. Uh, we probably did more fitness work. Oh, I've told this story yeah. before. Um, you know, we 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 we've done. We did more fitness work than we did ball work. And uh, yeah, uh, I, so I definitely part of think my... that's one of the pluses now that we are getting away from. You know of, uh, you know, fitness can be done on your own time. When we're here, you know, we're going to teach you how to be a better technical and tactical player. Yeah. Well, in, in growing up, uh, you know, in, in the period that I did, I mean, it was hard as hell to find soccer on TV. <laughs> uh, I, I, I loved it. Uh, I remember World Cup 94. I mean, it was sort of my, you know, aha moment that soccer is my sport. Yeah. And there's something about it that I really love. But I also walked away from soccer for a really long period of my life. And, you know, I, I think about the opportunities my son has and the fact that, you know, he comes home from school and basically almost any day of the week, he says to me, Dad, is there soccer on today? Uh, who's playing? Uh, you know, what's the, the Monday afternoon Premier League right. game? Or, uh, you know, who's playing in the Champions League today uh, or Europa League or whatever? the accessibility that he can even watch the game is, you know, uh, leaps and bounds where it used to be. So I, I think that's positive. Yeah, um, absolutely. And two, you know, just the trickle down effect that uh, I, I don't know, there's something about the, the more and more I think about sort of, yes, it, it absolutely stunk. That, uh, for However, I'm incredibly hopeful going forward because i think you know some of this trickle down is starting to happen and i don't i don't know i mean it's not perfect exactly it's um, definitely an ex an exciting time for the uh i mean in my opinion for the u.s national team you know you look at our our best player is what 20 years old christian pulisic um, sure you know timothy Weya is playing for psg and he's 18 um you know it's definitely an exciting time because, you know, we looked at it the first time Dave Sarkin put out a lineup, you know, we didn't know half these guys and it's just it's exciting when you see them turn into something different. Um, you know, when we played France before the world cup started and kept it, I think it was one, it was a draw one, one and mm -hmm. let alone France was still prepping for the world cup, but you know, guys, Pogba, Griezmann, um, all those type of players are out there and, you know, we were toe to toe with them. <laughs> So sure. it's definitely sure. it's definitely an exciting time for um, people to either jump on the soccer bandwagon or for some of us who are involved in the game to see where it goes. Yeah, I, I always like to think, where will we be in 10 years? And, you know, knowing that a World Cup will have happened uh, by then, um, it 
I don't know. Uh, sometimes I, I just sort of like to daydream about that because, uh, you know, and, and for whatever reason, um, the, the women have figured that out, uh, figured yeah. it out and they've had quite a bit of success. Yeah. Right. Uh, and the funny thing, um, so, and I think there's probably, so I, I'm super stoked about the, um, you know, the women's world cup next summer, but I think the, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say the playing field feels like it's been leveled a little bit uh, because, you know, almost similar to maybe what we've seen in the Olympics with like men's basketball, yeah. um, you know, where we were sort of bigger, faster, stronger for a long period of time. We've almost had to evolve and adapt our style of play because the rest of the world has progressed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I mean, Canada is no joke <laughs> on the women's side. Um you know, Sweet, uh, Japan, the, all the, all the yeah, teams that you, yeah. like countries that you wouldn't even think of are, uh, yeah, are now level with the high and mighty US. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. I think, uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun next summer for sure. So, um, so I uh, want to be respectful of your time and uh, kind of close up shop here. But uh, if people want to connect with you and uh, follow along in your journey, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, yeah, I'm always on Twitter. Um, Colton and I were going back and forth today about about the sacking of Mourinho. Uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Coach Greener. Uh, that's G-R-E-E-N-E-R. That was kind of my nickname back in college. Um, or feel free to email me. Um, our my website or my email is listed on the website. It's a green at olivetcollege.edu. Um, always love connecting with people. Um, you know, Gavin Murphy's one that you know we met at our national diploma course, and you know we've kept in touch over Twitter. And uh, I'm trying to get him involved in the soccer chats every Wednesday night and things like that. So. Um, yeah, Twitter's definitely a big one. If anybody ever wants to connect, please feel free. I love that kind of stuff. Well, uh, you said the name of someone who's on my short list of, <laughs> uh, of people that I would like to talk to. So uh, I've been able to connect with Gavin as well. And uh, yeah, uh, he's uh, he's on the yeah, short list to, uh, to have guy. as a guest sometime. Um, full of ideas, yeah. man. I love chatting with him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, Andrew, thank you. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, sharing about your journey and some different takes you have on the game. And um, I wish you all the best, man. I uh, I hope, uh, you know, not, none of us know where all this is headed, but uh, I hope the future is incredibly bright. And um, yeah, we, we need more folks like you in our game, man. It's uh, it's awesome to, to hear about. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Always love uh, chatting for a while about soccer. My sincere thanks to assistant men's soccer coach at Olivet College, Andrew Green, for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute joy to talk to him and hear about his experience in the game of soccer. Have some really, really great episodes coming up. Uh, have been booking guests left and right. So if you would like to be on this podcast, if you are a coach, if you are a player, or someone involved in the game of soccer, uh, reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at SoccerCoachJB and uh, would love to continue the conversation that way. All right, folks, until next time, and this has been the On the Touchline podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.